Now you have to ask me the question. Are you a fan yet? Okay. So. I think you are. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, I hope we're still friends. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Minor Notes, the podcast where we share our thoughts about an album from top to bottom. No skips, and we give some minor notes. That is Kate Griffin. And that is Gabby Alvarez. Welcome. If you're new here, which you should not be, because this is episode nine. Yeah, we're at the yeah, end Yeah, we're at the end. You gotta know what we're doing. You should. You should. <laughs> but Gabby is a music business professional, and I'm a songwriter. And this entire first season of Minor Notes is dedicated to the discography of Miss Taylor Swift. Gabby is a fan of hers, and I have been on a listening journey to figure out if I'm a fan, too. To do that, each episode, we've been listening to her albums in chronological order and discussing each track. Yes, and usually we're joined by guests, but this episode, we purposely decided no, because it's the last one, and we just have to have this conversation. It's just like a special moment. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What started as like a fun way to keep in touch has kind of evolved into this. I don't even know how to describe the, the path that we've taken here. Yeah, I feel yeah. a lot of feelings. I feel a lot of different feelings about Taylor than Ooh. I did before. Okay. And I, I think I always kind of thought that I was a pretty objective music listener because sure. of what I do for a living. But listening to something the way that we have to listen to it to like do notes and really critique it is different than being like a fan of someone and appreciating their work because you like them. So yeah, it's been... It's been, we're here, we're at the finish line. It's kind of crazy. I can't believe it. I really can't believe it. I also feel like, I know it's been nine albums, but I feel like we did 15. Like, oh my God. Well, you know, she's got so many damn tracks on each one. I think that if we cut every album down to 10 tracks minimum, we'd probably have 13 or 14 albums. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,. I don't know if that'd be better or worse for her, honestly. Probably better. She'd be making Probably better, I think. But like, I mean, yeah, she'd be much more exhausted and maybe not as happy of a person as I think she actually is. That's true. Um, It should be noted that I am wearing my folklore You are? Oh, look at that. You are. Wow. Ready to go. I am. I'm ready. I'm just wearing my Um, old Navy hoodie. Not the same. (laughs) Probably cheaper. This is (laughs) the first and only piece of merch that I've ever purchased from Taylor Swift. Really? Wow. This is the only thing that I I'm surprised by that. Yeah. I also don't own her albums on vinyl except this one. Oh, that one? Yeah. Wow. Do you listen to it? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that one. That's, that's I the one. I don't even think I opened it. I got it in the plastic and I put it on my record show. So it's like a memorabilia like, thing. It's like a, go. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have a few of those. Nice. But the folklore ones were like, she had a bunch of different versions of the of the vinyl and like different colors with different yeah. artwork. So I just bought the one that I thought was Well, the I was going to say, it's kind of like art, you know? Yes. Yeah. So we're doing Evermore today. We're at the end of this journey, this uh, double header of F- Taylor's version of folk. Yeah. How are you feeling up to this point? Okay, so I'm going to be so real with you. The last couple weeks for me have just been super crazy at my job, and we did mm. the episode with Alan and Ellis, which was great, but it was long, and it was the yeah. first time I had ever heard folklore, so I wasn't sure what to expect. 
And then now we're recording this pretty close to each other. We try to space yeah. things out by the week, but like pretty close. I listened to it for the first time ever yesterday and I was tired and I was mad and I hated the whole thing. I was so angry. I was hate listening at like nine o'clock at night and my notes were just so nasty and vile. Like ire. Oh my God. So bad. And then I got home today and I was like, let me give it one more shot because we're going to do this thing and we've spent so much time doing this. Like I owe it to us to just listen again. And I feel a little bit differently. I, yeah. Right? Not about all of them. There's still a lot of hate and we're going to get into it, but. We'll get into it. I don't know if I will ever listen to someone's album front to back in the same way ever again. I think it's hard, especially like this is an album that came out in 2020 where like I think the album format is no longer as like artists are less particular and precious about it Mm -hmm. because so much of the way people listen to music is driven by a, a streaming single. Sure. And I think like especially artists at Taylor's level like superstars release albums with like 16 tracks, 20 tracks. Oh my God. And it's exhausting. That shit is exhausting. And I, I I definitely prefer album formats for newer artists because they're a lot more selective Mm -hmm. and particular about what they put on it Mm because they want it to be perfect. And they're a little more that more, you know, like wanting to make sure it hits. Yeah. But I also, I respect it. If you're an, an artist who's big like Taylor, you have earned that, that you can, you can release whatever you want and however you want it. Like the rules don't really apply to you anymore. Right. Okay. And like, so I'm respectful of like her choices in that way, but like, damn, I am tired. <laughs> <laughs> and you love her. I love her. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm exhausted. I need a nap. I'm so tired. Yeah. yeah. So when Evermore first came out, I listened to it once through. I don't even think I got all the way to the end the first time mm-hmm. I listened to it. And I think because I really liked folklore. Okay. And I think after listening to it again for this podcast and after having the conversation we had with Ellis and Alan, who, uh, as as you could figure out when we were having it, they really know how to talk about music. Oh, my God. And they really, they go in and Ellis is just that way. Like, he can go in and like, he's pulling out like sounds and you're like, what are you even talking about? I was like, (laughs) did I hear that song? What is he talking about? Yeah, it was amazing, though. It was amazing. It was a great conversation. But I think like my appreciation for folklore diminished a little bit because I started to see the imperfections in it. And Mm -hmm. they were intentional imperfections, I think, by Taylor, like making choices, like putting songs like Mirrorball on. But I think that album was just an exercise in her trying out the folk sound. Right, right. And so by the time I got to Evermore when it came out, I was so exhausted by that already. Can you, do you happen to know, I know it was like Wham Bam, was it in the same week where they released? Like, how long it did you wait? It was in the same year, uh, I believe six months. Okay. They so were both released in 2020. I think Folklore was, now I don't have the date in front of me, but Folklore was maybe like ju- June or July. Okay. And uh, Evermore was December. Oh, it was December. Okay. I couldn't piece together, like, how close or far they were. Okay. Okay. Yeah, they were in the same year. So that's fast for her. That, for anybody. But I think, like... 
Yeah, like I love folklore so much that I was just exhausted by that sonic palette by the mm. time we got to Evermore. And now doing it this way, I think Evermore is a much better album than folklore. Oh my God. Because I'm just thinking back to what we talked about with Alan and Ellis, and they didn't like this one at all. Yeah. Wow. Maybe but they I will wonder, feel differently too. I wonder if it's because of how they were released so quickly back to back and like it was exhausting. Yeah. And I think too, because like that world, the sonic world that folklore and evermore live in, that's Ellis and Allen's world to some degree. I kind of thought how so. They, yeah. yeah. Okay. Even though like the San Fermin stuff is like it's more orchestral mm-hmm. and like there's violin and there's berry sax and there's trumpet. But, like, I think the songwriting um, style Mm. is quite similar. Okay. So, yeah. So, I totally get, too, why they were like, we're good on that fucking thanks for not making us talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) But, okay, let's jump in because I have lots of thoughts. Okay. So, Evermore came out December 11th of 2020. Uh, It's her ninth studio album and third with Republic Records. And it was also a surprise album. Mm-hmm. And she dubbed Evermore and Folklore Sister Records. Cute. She described Evermore as an offshoot of the quote-unquote Folklorian Woods, which is what she was kind of referring to, the music direction on okay. Folklore, like that whole soundscape. So it's an offshoot of it, but kind of similar sonically, but it it's, it is kind of different at the same time. Mm. Uh, the subject matter is built around Impressionist storytelling and mythopia, comprising tales of love, marriage, infidelity, and grief. Widespread acclaim, of course, like all of her shit from music critics. Right. Um, it was praised for its character studies, experimental production, and Swift's nuanced and expressive vocal performances. Reviewers kind of were like, oh, so Evermore is like a, a sequel of folklore, but I'm not sure that that's even true. I, I don't I don't think yeah, I agree Yeah, I don't with know. That. But yeah, so it was listed in a bunch of year-end rankings for best album of 2020, which I have a problem with because Definitely. it came out December 11th. And I don't think you can... No. I just don't think... Mm-mm. It was it was out for three weeks, not even, of 2020. Like, we can't no. put it on the best of yeah, list for this year. I think that's silly. I agree. But it is nominated for Album of the Year at the upcoming Grammy Awards that are in April. It's the only nomination she got for this album. So mm. we'll see. Maybe she'll win that award for the fourth time and break another record. I don't think so. I don't think so either. I'm not so. sure who else is nominated, but I think... I, I don't know. The timing folklore, just doesn't sound right. If Folklore won album of the year last year, it stands what, to do reason. Do they base, like, people vote on that, right? Yeah. Okay, okay. I was going to say if it's based on, like, sales or something, then yeah, probably. No, She's got it in it's bag, based on, on voting, Grammy voting members, nah. which are, like, people who are in the music industry. My bet is so, no. I, my bet is also no, but I'm not sure who else is nominated. So I'm uh, it's cur- curious mm. to see how that rolls out. Mm. But all right, let's get into it. This one's one track shorter than the last one, so I'm pretty excited. <laughs> <laughs> track one, Willow. Willow, written by Swift and Aaron Dessner and produced by Dessner. This was the first single December 11th of 2020. Uh, I This is kind of like what I pictured for a Taylor Swift folk song to sound yep. like. Yeah, because it's still it's still like very wordy in a folk way, mm-hmm. but it has a catchy chorus in a Taylor Swift way. Okay. So I was like, OK, this feels like a marrying of the two things that that she's trying to do. And it's kind of like the, the folky part is like it's kind of creepy. It's kind of distant sounding. I agree. And from Taylor, she says the song is about intrigue, desire and the complexity that goes into wanting someone. 
this is her quote. I think it sounds like casting a spell to make someone fall in love with you, which to me is like, you're taking it too far. She's a, she's a witch in the woods. She's a witch in the woods. <laughs> this album for her, she feels is very witchy, which I don't. No. I think there's a couple tracks that are kind of witchy, but not. No. I wouldn't describe this one as witchy. No, no, no. Me neither. I, I'm into the musicality of it. It mm-hmm. intrigued me. I was ready to hate this whole thing after talking to Alice and Alan. I was like, oh, God, oh, God. So this started and I was like, okay, we're in a safe space. I like the verses lyrically. I'm kind of surprised this wasn't on folklore. I feel like it is kind of strong and it's what I was expecting. So I'm, I'm surprised it didn't make it. Or maybe she had this all in mind and she knew. Like, let me save a solid one for the for the other one. Uh, she is yeah. in falsetto in the chorus, which we know is not my favorite. I think she's there mm. too long. I kind of wish she was in it and out of it. I I don't like, and she's done this, I don't know if she's done this before. She's kind of done this. I'm not a fan of songs that claim men. That's my man. I think in, in this song, she's singing it like in a prideful way. Like, that's my man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she's mm-hmm. happy about it. But to me, that feels like a pop line and i feel like the song is like not a pop song so when when i hear that it just kind of like ooh, like it kind of mm, i don't Take love you it out a little bit it takes me out a little bit okay. um and at this point i wrote down maybe this won't be so bad so i'm like okay i'm okay uh she does mention wine but otherwise there's no traditional tropes <laughs> so i was like okay we're off to a pleasant place i'm on board oh, we're off to a pleasant start for sure I think it's a, it, for the opening track, I'm like, I'm not mad at it. Not mad. I'm like, okay. I feel like she actually set the tone. And I do, so I couldn't really figure out if, like, this was cutting room floor shit that they revisited. Because everything kind of said she loved working with Aaron so much. And they had so much chemistry that they just kept working. Mm. So I don't think it was cutting room floor shit. Okay. And, I think part of the reason why I think some of the songs on this album are stronger or because I think she learned a little bit from the mistakes that she made on folklore and like the more experimental things she was doing to learn this soundscape are now gone. And now she kind of knows what she's doing a little bit. That's very interesting because I do feel like this feels more intentional than folklore. It's much more intentional. Mm. So those those are just my observations. Okay. But who knows? Until we can have Taylor on the show. We can well, you know. She'll make some time for us, I'm sure. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, all right. Track number two, Champagne Problems. Written by Swift and William Bowery, who we learned is Joe her Alwyn, boo. her beau. And her it's boo. produced by Swift and Desner. I didn't love this song at first, mm-hmm. but I... Sat down again, and I listened to it while reading the lyrics, and I was like, oh, shit, we're telling a story. I love when she does this. You do. I didn't quite realize that's what was happening on this song. Okay. So I love the idea of a story about saying no to a proposal and then taking ownership for being it, like that being an asshole move to someone. I like the story progression of like... She's like, like, my bad, I did this to this person. And then after the bridge, there's like a switch... And she switches the the pronouns in the chorus. So it's like, you'll find someone else who won't do the things that I just did to you. Right. I like that. That to me is like classic Taylor, like how she knows how to tell the story. Right. And keep you in. The thing that I don't, there's something about the phrase champagne problems that to me feels weird. I have a note. But Mm -hmm. then I was just going through the lyrics and I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, like, mm-hmm. if your family thinks you're going to propose to the girl, 
you are going to buy a bottle of Dom to celebrate with your family. And your sister is going to be so excited that she's going to get too drunk too early. Right. (laughs) And then the champagne problems thing, like, made more sense to me. Okay. But it just, like, reminded me of rap in a weird way, just that phrase. Yeah. She's she's still got, like, a little reputation on her tongue. She still does. does. She does a little bit. But I think, like, that, that... you know, she carries so many things with her through each album, and I think she's starting to, like, pull from what is the best of those things mm-hmm. a little better. Okay, yeah. So I must have missed the proposal situation. Oh, yeah. My first note is, I feel like this song might be about Jake, question mark. I know we're not really doing that anymore, but when she mentions the sister and you told your family, I thought... This was, like, Jake having to go home and tell everyone we're not together. And I wrote that it felt, like, red to me, and it kind of reminds me of All Too Well. Not as good, but I just, I don't know why I made that connection, so that's weird. So, yeah. I mean, I think it's easier, like, if you are looking at all the lyrics. Like, it took me a minute, too. Like, the first time I listened to it, I was like, what the fuck is this about? Right? (laughs) Yeah. Because it's so wordy. But the in the chorus, it's, uh, I left you out there standing, crest falling on the landing, champagne problems, your mom's ring in your pocket, my picture uh, in your wallet, your heart was glass, I dropped it. And then in the bridge. Got it. And then she's like, you told your family for a reason you couldn't keep it in. Your sister splashed out on the bottle. Now no one's celebrating. Like, okay. Got, got it. it. Dom Perignon, you bought it. Like, you know what I mean? And then she says... This does make sense now. Uh, when the bridge, when she flips it, uh, one for the money, two for the show, I was never ready, so I watch you go. Sometimes you just don't know the answer until someone's on their knees and asks you. Got it. I did get knees. So now this makes <laughs> sense. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't reading closely enough. This might have been during my hate read. Because yeah, at some point enough. I was just looking for the tropes. I was like, like for scroll, sure, scroll, for scroll. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This kind of changes my opinion about that because I wrote down champagne problems and I said that I don't really love this before I got the whole engagement story. Because if you look like the phrase champagne problems is the same as like first world problems, white people problems, like like for regular people, these are not actual problems. Sure. And so I wrote that that kind of leans into her unlikability that we've spoken about before. Fair observation. So I was kind of like, ew. She's using it in a literal sense. In a literal sense. I appreciate the literal. I do. Okay. I think it's clever. Whereas champagne problems is usually a metaphorical thing. Yeah, that's why I was like, are you calling yourself like a petty silly bitch like what no, are you doing like, like literally everyone's getting drunk off of sadness because she so said no sad. Okay. <laughs> champagne problems champagne, True. literal champagne, champagne problems <laughs> <laughs> um tropes were dancing town knees i put chevy question mark question mark because i was feeling pretty I think hateful that's a car. but we're yeah, gonna keep it i did have a question for you though so this was my last mm-hmm. note she uses the f word mm-hmm I am not a fan of her suddenly throwing fuck into these songs. And she did it on Folklore. It was once or twice. I don't think it happened on Lover. I can't remember. Mm, I'm not sure. Maybe. How do you feel about it? Because she definitely, like, there's obviously a point in which she starts using shit and all that. And I was like, okay, you're grown up. Like, I get it. And now it just feels silly to me. Like, I don't know why. I don't know. What do you think about it? Um, I didn't. I, I, it didn't, like, strike me as strange. Okay. I think once I was 
into the story and I understood what was happening, that line made sense to me because it's like a, what they're saying about her. Yeah. What a shame she's fucked in the head. She would have made such a lovely bride. Like, that's what people are saying to the guy that she dumped. Got like, it. In which case, like, it doesn't feel like an F-bomb for the sake of putting in an F-bomb and being edgy. Like, okay. the use of it makes a lot of sense to me. Okay. But I, there's another song where she says shit, and I'm just like, for why? The, there, it happens a couple times, and I mean, I guess in the context of the story, but I just... I, I haven't heard it yet. And I don't have a problem with that. Nor Like, you've heard the podcast. We, yeah, we drop yeah, yeah. it all the time. And I like other bands that use it all the time. And I, I don't want to say it's, like, not appropriate for her because I don't feel like that's fair to say she can or can't say words. But I've just mm-hmm. never heard it in a way where I'm like, this helps your songwriting. I feel like I always notice it in a way where it's like, I feel like you could have been more creative about your lyrics. I don't know why she's suddenly yeah. thrown it in there. but I mean, it's the opening on the one. She's on some new I'm shit. Doing- I'm doing good. I'm on some new shit. So she is like, there are curse. I, and I'm look. I'm just looking at the Spotify stuff and where it has an explicit. Oh, okay. There's the last great American dynasty, mad woman, Betty and peace. I'll have that. Mm. Um, nothing on lover. Okay. Does, let's see. Reputation. Probably a couple on reputation. Nothing on no? reputation. Oh, goodness. Interesting. So this is really folklore and evermore her first forays into cursing on records. Wow. She's an angry witch. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what does that make me think of Elf? You're an angry elf. <laughs> You're an angry elf. Kind of. Same vein. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Interesting. All right. All right. Um, let's do track three, Gold Rush. Written by Swift and Antonoff, produced by Swift and Antonoff. I didn't love this. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I love this one. <laughs> it gets yeah, a little yeah. poppy. It does. But the beat never drops. Like, I'm waiting for the beat to drop, and then I'm like, that's not this kind of record. Right. <laughs> right. Reel it in. Right, right, right. I think a remix of this would be so good. Definitely. If, if a pop producer remixed it, or yeah. like an EDM dance producer remixed it, I think it would be so good. But... Oh. I have issues with a lyric. Uh, your hair falling into place like dominoes. Yuck. That's not a fucking thing. I dominoes think she meant, fall into place. She They're meant like when you stack them and you flick it, which is not what they're really for. It's not. It's not. <laughs> but even when you stack them and you flick it, it's a mess. Right. It's not cute or cool. Yeah. And like you're describing <laughs> like, uh, like, uh, like, this guy is too good looking and I don't like fucking with guys that are too good looking because I get fucking embarrassed and I feel right, weird. Like, right. so you're talking about his hair have must be perfect, but you're right. comparing it to fallen dominoes. That line just really bugs me. It hit me weird. It just too. bugs me. It, hit me it hits me weird because like I, I like this, a lot of things about this song. And then when I get there and I'm like, do we have to put that fucking line right. in? It happens a couple times in this one. I I don't love the intro. That's why I'm hearing Antonoff, the gleaming, twinkling thing she's doing. Yeah. But I love the cadence of, I don't like a gold rush. And I couldn't tell if that was a chorus or the verse, because those two separate parts just repeat. So I don't know where yes. we are. But that's the part I love the most. But to your point, I hate how she's going back to that hyper-specificity thing that I can't stand. And the line, my Eagles t-shirt hanging from the door... And I think it might be right after the domino line. I was like, this is annoying to me. But one line that I loved, I don't like slow motion, double vision in a rose blush. I don't like that falling feeling like flying till the bone crush. I was like, what? The bone crush? It got me. But I was like, how are you? 
like doing this amazing one liner and then you're gonna write Domino? Like just rewrite that one part. And I, I know I wrote at this point, I'm not sure if she's a great songwriter or just great at writing one liners. I think that's a fair assessment. Um, cause she is great at writing one liners. She is. And I have a whole closing statement ready for when you ask me. <laughs> and so I'm going to revisit this, but this is at the point at where, like, I really started questioning how I felt about her. Uh, the only trope was town. So trope mm. light. So it's good. But I was kind of surprised with how much I enjoyed this. And, and I didn't really expect, like, yeah. it is kind of poppy, but I think it still fits on this album. Absolutely. I was yeah. impressed. And yeah. I think because they don't take it there to the pop place, it goes back to this the, subdued, yeah. more... A little more control. And, yeah, a little more in control, which I enjoyed. But yeah, that's a good one. Is that Antonoff by himself? Um, no, them together. Swift okay, and Antonoff, Swift and Antonoff. So, okay, maybe I mean, she like, was whatever. like, "Listen, it's not his worst work." I it's really not like his worst, it. but the minute it started, I was like, "This is an Antonoff song." I yeah. know it. I know uh-huh. it. Yeah. All right, number four. Uh, Tis the damn season. Swift and Desner, produced by Desner. So this song's about going home for the holidays and hooking up with your ex, mm-hmm. which I'm familiar with. <laughs> so check in that box for right, relatability. Okay. <laughs> It's there's nothing really special about this song, but it's just relatable. So I register that as a positive. That's fair. I I think the storytelling is good, mm-hmm. great. I know exactly what's happening. Okay. It's just I think it's okay. Yep. It's okay. the The best part is the hook. We could call it even. You could call me Bay for the weekend. Tis the damn season. Like that's funny to me because you're home for the holidays and you and you both know there. what's going on. You both know what's going on. Yeah. Um, and funny, funny, when I was looking through and, like, finding, like, pieces of trivia about it and stuff mm-hmm. on on the Genius website, the first note is, this is the first time Taylor uses a curse word in a song title. And I was like, damn. What? <laughs> well, like, they must have been real shocked at the first track of Folklore. Seriously. <laughs> I was like, What? Who wrote that? Because Genius is kind of like the Wikipedia for lyrics. Yeah. Like other people can contribute. And I just thought that was really funny that somebody out there was like, (laughs) she's cursing in the title this time. Yikes. She really means it. She said, damn. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's cute. It's, it's, it's Taylor's writing. I think lyrically at her, at her best, one of them, but I think the song is only okay. It's just okay. I do like the idea. I, I kind of, I phrase it as the one that got away, but it's not necessarily because they're both kind of coming back to this thing. I like that yeah. they're both in the same position. I was really worried it was going to be like a longing thing. And I was like, we've done that so no, many times. But it was like, this is transactional. Transactional. Good word. I So I kind of like that. I do not like the drum situation. I find it to be very distracting. There's a really cool, simple-ish guitar thing happening. And it's like mm. these muted, I don't know if they were like live or automated drums, but like, it just, like, I kept, I don't like it. Not for me. Got it. Um, okay. Not a fan of the melodies. Nothing particularly catchy. One line that I loved. There's an ache in you put there by the ache in me. And I was just that's like, good. oh, man. Like, that's, that's really, good. like, overall the song's mediocre. That line is the whole song to me. That's, yeah. To me, and I wonder if she, like, writes that line and then writes a song around that line. Because that's how I feel like some of these songs are written. I think she does that sometimes. I know she did that for Love Story. 
Okay. That she started, I forget what line she started with, but she this she just had a line and like the melody and then she writes the rest. And I think oftentimes that is what some songwriters do is like they have a line that they've yeah. never gone to use before. Totally. Like, totally. let me figure out. I know that was also the same for New Year's Day on Reputation. There was like a line uh, about not being strangers in the same room. And okay. that was another line that she had. And I love that. Always wanted to use, and I've done it too. And in my own songwriting, sometimes if it's if it's not a line, it's a concept, and then I build it around. But sometimes I just feel like the line is so good, and the rest of her concept kind of falls apart or just isn't as good. Yeah, and so that was kind of a bummer for me, just because that line is so beautiful. And the only tropes were town and truck. So in a way, it kind of made me feel like old Taylor. I felt like she was going back to Nashville on these Christmas, yeah. you know what I mean? Well, so I think what's interesting is, like, I think she intentionally went back to old Taylor because it's mm. like, this girl lives in a small town and she goes home from, you know, from L.A. Right. for the holidays. And so I think it's an interesting use of those old tropes that yeah. we're used to. Maybe calling back to that old girl. Yeah, yeah. I like a lot of the other lines, though. I like uh, time flies, messy as the mud on your truck tires. Now I'm missing your smile. We could just ride around and the road not taken looks real good now. Like, I think that's pretty clever. It's super. And it's cute. Because you're getting the, like, I feel that with her where she, like, like, obviously this isn't going to work out. Yeah. But you're wondering what if. Like, what if I came home and this was it? So it's it's cute. It's cute. But definitely country. Like, not sonically country, but like content wise, I was in the, I was sure. in the the swamps. You know what I mean? I, w- I was out there with the banjos. Yeah, 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 yeah. Another thing I found out about this song is that it's supposed to be Dorothea, who's a later track. Yeah. That care it's supposed to be that character going home for the holidays, but it's the perspe- a different perspective. Hmm. Like that, this song is from Dorothea's perspective, and the Dorothea song is from oh. the male counterpart's perspective. Interesting. So for then I'm like, okay, bitch. Now I gotta re-listen. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's an interesting choice for that to be the case and for her to put this track first, like before Dorothea it in the is. listings. And why not next to each other? Why not next to each other? But yeah. Uh, gonna call it right now. When she writes her musical, Dorothea's gonna be in it. Oh, fuck yeah. It's definitely gonna be in Betty's it. Betty's gonna be there. Oh my god. We're all, all gonna bitches. be there. All the Inez, poor Inez. <laughs> poor Inez. <laughs> all right, cool. Uh track five. Tolerate it. Tolerate it, written by Swift and Desner, produced by Desner. Kinda stalkery. My Kinda first stalkery. note was hate it unlistenable. I think it is, it was very hard to listen to, but then the more I listened to it and I was like, okay, let me find the thing. It's so sad. And I've, I've been in this relationship where I'm with someone who doesn't appreciate me and I was in it for too long. And so like, while I don't love this song, I get the situation and I'm like, Ooh, damn, that sucks. But I hate the, I hate that the hook is tolerated. It's just like the worst. It's so, and I, and I, I get, I love the concept of you tolerate my love. I love that because tolerate, Mm -hmm. like the word is perfect. Don't make it your chorus. It just doesn't work as a chorus. Yeah, like you could have worked toler like you just tolerate my love into a a, a line and left it there. Like throw it in one time. It's not the best phrase to use as a hook. I feel like it just took me out because I I I don't know. It's just okay. 
it's very dramatic. So much drama. I, there's one line I like, even though it's so dramatic. Let's hear. I, I wonder if it's the same one I did. I made you my temple, my mural, my sky. Now I'm begging for footnotes in the story of your life, which is... Whew, that sucks. Definitely drama. Not the one that I picked. Which but it one? is drama. The one that I picked was, took this dagger in me and removed it, gain the weight of you, then lose it. Believe me, Ugh. I could do it. Oh, that was hard, too. That one was hard. Because I feel like at that point... Because here's my other note, right? I, just like I don't like songs where it's like, he's my man, I really cannot relate to or tolerate um, songs where the woman is painting herself as the victim. And yeah. I understand that those stories need to be told, and I understand that those feelings happen. I would have much rather, like, a self-deprecating song. Like, how could I have done this to myself? How could I have let this happen? Fair. Those songs Fair. I prefer because we've all been in a situation like that, where it's like, I was dumb. I let you treat me this way. Yes. But I think she almost does that in this song, too, because after that line, the follow-up is, if it's all in my head, tell me now. Tell me I've got it wrong somehow. Like, she's mm. asking for the other person to, like, make her not think this shit is true. Yeah, well, that's why I like the line I picked, because I feel at that point in the song, she's like, let me get out of this shit. Like, yeah. I need to snap out of it. Yeah. And, and like, either leave him or, or whatever. Like, like, I could do it. And I'm like, okay, yeah. girl, yeah, you can do it. But I want to hear that song. Like, yeah. Like, I left you. I want to hear that song. But very Dolly Parton y thing to be like, I left you. Oh, man. It. Love her. Uh, but yeah, I, like, sonically, I just, it was very hard for me to listen to. I couldn't find the beat. And it wasn't like an interesting thing. It was just like, I, I don't, I can't sing along to this. Like, I don't know where we are. And the only trope was door. So not trope heavy. In that regard, though, that it's hard to sing along to it, it is a fucking folk song. I guess so. I guess they're, so. They're really designed to be listened to. Like, I'm telling you something. Just listen. It's right. not supposed to be a sing-along jam. And that's I think we're true. so used to Taylor making sing-along jams. And she's making shit that's not meant to be that way. It, that That's fair. That's fair. But it's also still a story I just don't want to hear. Because it sounds <laughs> like you. you made shitty choices. And You're I, right. I want to hear that song. Like, I I let this happen. Not someone's doing this to me. I don't like those songs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I hear you. Okay, number six. Nobody, No Crime featuring Haim. Yes. Written by Swift. Produced by Swift and Desner. This was the second single, January 11th, 2021. Uh, fun fact, SD is in Haim. So I she thought so. is <laughs> one of the girls in Haim as a character. So I think that's kind of cool in this uh, murder mystery story in this uh goodbye earl part two dude i think like okay this is a folk song okay you did it again <laughs> taylor great job right great job i'm into this because i'm a murderino and okay, i'm like okay. Ooh, a murder is a, a murder yeah <laughs> it's sonically okay but i really enjoy the story okay i also like that they try to like, they kill the husband to avenge their friend Esty, mm -hmm. and the mistress gets blamed is also a product of that, which I just fucking love. Like, that's right. hilarious. This should be, this could be a comedy. Right, like, right. it could be a dark comedy. <laughs> right. I'm really into the story. I think sonically, though, this is okay. You know what's really weird is I actually really like the music, the melody, and the vocals. Mm -hmm. I just feel like the song is kind of silly, and it's definitely silly. While I love a good murder and I love women committing murder, 
I hope this doesn't end up anywhere in the future. But I, I do love it. I love that. I love stories about you it. Love let me be clear. A, you love a she snapped moment. I love. Oh, snapped was my jam. I love that <laughs> stuff. But I feel like she's making a considerable attempt at being mature in these two albums, and this just doesn't have a place here. Yeah, and even musically, like it's cool, and I kind of hear folk a little bit, but it's it's not really where we've been, and I it's and it, nothing like this happens again. So. It's definitely more Americana, I think. So, yeah, more Americana. Um, I think it's kind of a waste of a feature, because I can't hear Haim at all. Like, I know they're doing vocal stuff, but, like, I, it could have been I her. I wish she gave them a verse. Ugh. Like, that shit bugs me. They do have the one sister is going, she was with me, dude. Like, I know. I was like, okay, you're going to give her the cringy line? That's real fair. That's nice. <laughs> but, yeah, it gave me Goodbye Earl vibes. Let's be honest, Goodbye Earl is a jam. You're not going to beat it. You're just not going to. Uh, She mentions Glass of Wine and Merlot. She mentions Truck and Daddy. So, again, we're in the South. Yeah. Conceptually. Mm. It's cute. Should have just been a one-off, like, random single, I think. I just wouldn't have put it on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Track seven, Happiness. Written by Swift and Desner, produced by Desner. So, my first go-around listening to this album, this was where I was like, I'm I'm done. I was way done. I'm done. Mm-hmm. And from here, from that point, from happiness forward, for me, it was really hard to listen to the first time. Okay. I feel like there's too many words in this song. Welcome like, to my world. <laughs> there's so many words in this song. And I'm just like, I'm exhausted through the process of listening to it. She should have cut this song. Yeah. And I just like, there'll be happiness for you, but there was happiness, or there'll be happiness after you, but there was happiness because of you. It feels like tolerate it in another way, where it's like, can we stop using this fucking word? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, there's so, there's too many, there's too many words. <laughs> too many, I wrote, um, lyrics feel very jumbled. I wrote five minutes, 15 f- seconds, please make it stop. Yeah, it's so long. It's oh so long. God. I do love the concept of you will be happy again. That's what I took yes. away from this. Like, I was happy before you. You made me very happy. And we're not together anymore. Good times are coming. Like, you just have to work yeah. through that. I love that. Happiness is such a weak word to describe that. It just felt to like... over and over. Too much. Just too much. Tropes were dancing, dress, and rain. But... At this point, when I was hate listening, I was pretty angry. And then when I re-listened, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember why I was so angry. Like, this yeah. song is not happiness for me. This It's not a good song. It's not a it's good song. It's just not a good song. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think in an understandable way, I get why I was after this song the first time. I was like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. <laughs> but there's a lot of gold after this song. So let's continue. Okay. <laughs> Uh, track A, Dorothea. Dorothea by Swift and Desner, produced by Desner. The beginning, I thought this was going to be a cover of Hey Soul Sister by Train. Oh, interesting <laughs> you say that. She's like, hey, Dorothea. And I'm like, hey, Soul Sister. Because oh, <laughs> I have two other songs that I thought of. Oh, interesting. Um, so this is the girl who goes back to her hometown for the holidays. Okay. Uh, right. Which is the damn season. Uh, a small town girl moved to Hollywood. Okay. My my note was has Taylor ever been to Tupelo, Mississippi? I'm gonna say no. Hard pass. I think on that. that I feel like it's just a town like that she liked to say and she used, which on one hand I'm like respect because right. that's silly. <laughs> it's fun that's to so say. Silly. It's so fun to <laughs> say. 
It's so funny to say, and I feel like when I'm hearing her singing it, like, she's like, fuck yeah, I get to use the word Tupelo. Tupelo. You know there's a fan in Tupelo who's like, yeah! Yeah. <laughs> One fan. One fan. <laughs> I like the story. I think it's, it's at base, it's a good song. Mm-hmm. It's not a great song. Mm-hmm. It serves the purpose, I think, of telling the story of this woman. If the two Dorothea songs are this one and Tis the Damn Season. I think Tis the Damn Season is way better. I agree. I, I agree conceptually. I actually wrote that I much prefer this sound and feel to most of what's on Folklore. Um, oh, yeah. And again, this is what I was imagining when I thought we were getting a folk record. Yeah. The line, when we were younger, is way too close melodically and lyrically to, I wish that I knew what I know now when I was younger. The Rod Stewart song, which I only mm-hmm. learned today, is called Ooh La La. I thought that song I was, called was called when we were that. younger. <laughs> well, the more you know. Yeah, but when I heard her say it, I was like, this is a song already. I know this song. So it's a little too close for me. And the way she says Dorothea... Sounds like a very thinly veiled attempt at Bob Dylan. Uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if it was a thinly veiled attempt yeah. at Bob Dylan. I was Dylan. like, girl, I let don't it think go. there's a way that any person can make a folk record and not in some way try to channel their inner Dylan. This I guess was like but his like, bread and fucking butter. Do you have to sound like? A, I, and you know, I hate Dylan. I know you I don't can't like him. stand him. I really like him. One lyric that I did like, and if you're ever tired of being tired of who you know you know you'll always know me. And it's just a real, like, a, it could be a tongue twister. It's a nice play on words. Yeah. I love that. Tropes were town, stars, dream, and queen. But I completely agree, agree with you. It's it's okay. It's not great. Yeah. I think the only purpose it serves is because it's a necessary counterpart to Tis the Damn Season. Right. And now I understand why it's this low on the track list, because it's not very good. It's not very good. <laughs> it's not very good. And I think the songs kind of need each other, to be honest. Yeah, to make sense. Yeah. yeah. So, like, if the theme of this album, on one hand, is to tell, a, you know, folk stories and all these, like, weird stories, like, yeah, you kind of sure. need them both. Okay, track nine, Coney Island. Coney Island featuring The National. Swift, Bowery, Desner, and Bryce Desner, who is an American composer and guitarist. He's the twin brother of Aaron, also a member of The National, and it was produced by both Desner brothers. It was the third single, January 18th, 2021. I really like this song. I like The National. Okay. So it's sometimes hard for me to listen to the national i like them okay but i think i i have worked with san Fermin for most of their career mm-hmm. and a constant comparison we got early on was that it sounds just like the national which is not true and to me was like really lazy journalism because yeah, no way. because matt is a baritone and alan is a baritone and that's the only thing that people drew together so i just in a way like i like them but I kind of resent them at the same Competition. time. Competition, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's also like, it's not, and it's not even their fault. It's just like lazy journalism. Yeah. Because if you're actually listening, just because they sing in the same register doesn't mean shit. No. I think my issues with Matt as a vocalist are the same issues that I have with Justin Vernon as a vocalist, is that there is no feeling in the way that they sing. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's fucking lazy. Mm-hmm. And I love Alan as a vocalist because he can actually make me cry. Oh, wow. There's, you know, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, like, he's fine. I ha- I pu- pulled out the line, um, if I can't relate to you anymore, then who am I related to? Which is dumb. Mm. 
I know. I noticed that one too, and I was like, I think maybe I'm maybe it's going over my head. Like, did I miss something? Yeah, I was like, w- like there has to be something in here. But like, if I can't relate to you any more than who am I related to? It doesn't make any sense. Like your mom. Yeah, like you're still related to who you're related to just because you can't find a middle ground. Like, that that has no bearing. I hope you're not related to the person you're in love with. Yeah. That'd be weird. Right. (laughs) Though there is another line that I do love because we were like the mall before the internet. It was the one place to be. I was like, bitch, yes. Wait, (laughs) I pulled that line because I wrote, I feel like you can only sing about the internet if it's fun or quirky. (laughs) Like... I feel like songs about the, like, the internet is just, I, I believe in singing about the internet for sure, sure but I feel yeah. like when you use the word internet in a song, I'm expecting, like, a Weird Al Yankovic situation. For sure. But, like, I think it's cool that that's not where it went. It was just, like, here's a metaphor. That's and I was true. like, that actually, that metaphor actually makes sense. It does. Uh, I don't know. I actually didn't like this song. I, and this must have been a note left over from my hate lesson. I wrote, I miss Mirrorball. <laughs> <laughs> So that's how mad I was about it. I don't know if I feel that way now, but I was angry. Yeah. I, it's, again, it's a, it's, a, it's a very good marriage of what Taylor Swift does and what the National do. So for that, okay. I will say a collaboration was a success here. Uh, then I started looking into how it was made. And the National wrote all the music. And they had the music. Interesting. And she wrote all the words. And it's not... Their music doesn't really sound like this lyrically at all. Okay. Okay. Um, so it is like literally they a, married a, their, a the two things they that they do. All right. So I think for that it works. And even though it's not really what the National necessarily does structurally in terms of lyrics... It is sonically very them because it's so melancholy and they're just a sad, sad I was gonna, band. I, I haven't really heard very much by them, but it did make me sad. I was like, yeah. maybe that's this their is... thing is oh. sad songs sung by a guy who can't really sing. Right. That's rough. The only trope was dreams. But yeah, I don't know. I didn't didn't like it. I, I again like it's fine for what it is in terms of a collaboration with them. I do like the story and I like the lyrical content of it, but I think like like Taylor obviously just made this story up, which I think a lot of the things on this on these two albums are very made up sure. and that's a muscle she's trying to get stronger at and I don't think she's she's fully flexed it. Not yet. yet. No. Not yet. And this song I, she's getting there, but it's not it's not there. Mm-mm. I also like kind of sad to think about someone like sitting on a bench alone in Coney Island of all places. Yeah, listen, I've been to Coney Island. You don't want to be there long. It's not my favorite place. It's not um, a great spot. But I think like we're also very spoiled because we've grown up with New Jersey beaches, which are like the best, and Coney oh, Island yeah. is just like a weird shit show. People mention Coney Island, they get all excited, and I'm like, oh, I know where you're from. Like you're yes. not from where I'm from. <laughs> you're not from here. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. All right. Number ten, Ivy. Ivy, written by Swift, Desner, and Antonoff, produced by Desner. Pretty creepy out the gate. Okay. Uh, So this was one that I was like, oh, like the witchy vibe that she's saying is on this album. Like, it's on this song. Like, Mm -hmm. I hear it on this song. I love the melodies that are in the chorus. Okay. And I find that a lot of the stuff on Folklore and Evermore, I'm just kind of waiting for the chorus to come in to save me from the rest of it. I love the Ivy metaphor. Stop putting, what's this lyric? Stop. Stop you putting roots in my dreamland, my house of stone, your ivy grows, and now I'm covered in you. It's like, yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's a good visual. It's a good it's a visual. Good and then the bridge comes in, and this bitch is having an affair. She's having an affair. 
I didn't get she's that. Not, she's fucking somebody else. <laughs> Ma'am. Wow. And so I'm into like, oh, okay, now you're exploring a story that you've never, you've never told this before where you're the one who goes the and cheats girl. and does the bad thing. Or where the narrator is. Like, I'm not sure that this is Sure, her. sure, sure. No, I don't think so. But yeah, what'd you think? I My first note was slightly better than the last song. It's more of what I was expecting musically. I Overall, though, I kind of felt like it was background music for while you're working. Mm. Like, I can't imagine anyone being like, oh, play that, play that song Ivy. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't hear that. She is drinking her husband's wine. She does mention Dreamland. And for some reason, I wrote this lyric, which must be a context situation, because I just reread it, and it doesn't seem that great to me. But I wrote down, Crescent moon, coast is clear, spring breaks loose, but so does fear. And when I read it out loud alone, it doesn't sound that great. But I'm wondering if maybe, like, within the body of the song, for some reason, it stood out to me. Um, so that's the part in the song when she admits that she's married. Maybe that's, maybe I didn't like fully catch the vibe, but yeah. I knew something was so happening. So it's a crescent moon, coast is clear, spring breaks loose, so, but so does fear. He's going to burn this house to the ground. How's one to know? I'd live and die for, for the moments that we stole on begged and borrowed time. So tell me to run or dare to sit and watch what will become and drink my husband's wine. Yikes. It's a little scary. It's a scary song. <laughs> I, I, like, scary. I like it. I'm like, oh shit. It's dark. It's dark, and like, and and I think like she's gone to a place where she hasn't gone before, and like she's done it pretty good. Okay, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's a good thing I'm listening with you because I miss a lot of these the, the storytelling parts. This, this is, is like my thing is listen, reading the lyrics as I do it, and then being like, oh my god, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Okay. 11. Cowboy Like Me. Swift and Desner, produced by Desner. This one's really country, and I like it. So country. It's so country. So I had to... I wasn't sure what was happening, so I had to look up what was happening. So the story is two swindlers who fall in love, and they're both, Ah. like... They're both scamming people out of money, and they both okay. fall in love. And so that's this story that she came up with, which I think is kind of fucking cool. So Cowboy Like Me is like, we're, they're both assholes. In like the same I see way. a little bit of you and me. Yeah, like, yeah. like you can recognize each other. Yeah, okay. like we both ha- do the same hustle for a living. Got a literal it. hustle. Okay. Fun fact, the male backing vocal is Marcus Mumford of Mumford & Sons. You know, I didn't go back. I should have. I remember listening and thinking, there's no feature here. Like, who is this person? It's Marcus Why do you Mumford. think he's not listed? Um, I mean, there's lots. There, there. He may have, she may have not wanted him to be and just paid him as a backing vocalist. Wow, that seems weird. Because, I mean, she seems kind of like a braggart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she's going to throw out people's names when she can, and I wonder why he wasn't I'm not mentioned. sure, because even, like, if you look at um, at the credits on Spotify, he's not even listed as a performer. So I think this was just a situation. I don't think that she really thought of this song as a duet. I think she really wanted it to be from the female person's perspective and just have that okay. male backing voice as a presence to say, like, there is another character in this story. So I get the right. choice to not make it a duet. Okay. And I'm sure Marcus Mumford fought like hell to get a feature. And she was like, no, I'm just going to pay you. 
Right. Well, as you were saying this, I'm thinking maybe he didn't want to be a feature. And I was like, what is he nuts? It's Everybody also wants possible to be a feature that he didn't song. want to be a feature. Like crazier things have happened. I I know of I many a situation where that has happened, where the person has been like, I don't really want to do that. You can keep my voice my voice on there. Just pay me. Yeah, just don't tell anybody. Yeah. Don't, don't tell anyone I was here. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting to me that that was a thing that happened. But yeah, I really like this story. I think this is a well-done song, like, a, again, in, like, a folk way. Like, the, it's a fucking great idea, and I think it, it's, a, it's, it's cool. It's a cool idea. I do like that we're kind of going back to her roots again, mm. but kind of like the nobody, no crime song, I don't know if it, like, quote unquote fits with everybody else sure yeah i don't know now i feel like she's exploring and like maybe she's swinging too far maybe but other ways on the the same breath if like nobody no crime and cowboy like me are both on this album maybe they're you know what i mean like they're not standalone in this where else would they go right yeah yeah she does write fuck this up which i just kind of feels unnecessary but i guess if you're a cowboy Mm. you're a little rough around the edges um, she mentions airport bar, mm. dancing, cars, phones, and stars. So pretty trope heavy, which I'm finding is most of the country-esque songs yeah. at this point. It is a cool story. It does bother me a little bit that on Reputation, she kind of had that Bonnie and Clyde song. In a way, that feels a little familiar, maybe a little too familiar. It does feel, I agree, it feels a little familiar. I thought it was interesting that she described this album as like witchy and like dark when i feel like that's also what reputation was like yeah totally witchy she had snakes everywhere yeah um so that's interesting to me but well that was like sexy witch and this is woods witch. this is different it's a different kind of witch um i think this is more of an actual witch (laughs) yeah (laughs) like i'm gonna fuck some shit up in my cottage yeah but i love i love the the chorus i think it's it's like the melody's really nice even though it's not too in your face mm-hmm. you're a cowboy like me perched in the dark it's it's simple it just works it's simple it's it's kind of great and i kind of put too this also makes me think of like it'd be fine just flowing around in the background yeah but i don't know if background music is like a like that's probably not how most people want their music described no it's so. definitely but that's not. but that's how it struck me it's like yeah it can play while i'm doing other things yeah okay next guy 12 Long story short. Written by Swift and Desner, produced by Desner. This song is a fucking banger. It's so good. My it's first note was banger. something different it's in so all caps. Good. <laughs> um, it's so good. I, it's I, good. I'm mad at myself that I never got to this song and gave oh, myself no. an opportunity to love it because I have played it on repeat. I am not kidding. All day today. It's it's the it's it's great. I went it's to really, the gym really and I so I listened to the whole album at the gym, which is like a weird album to work out to. And I was like, oh, it was leg day, yeah. so I was yeah. like, just me and Evermore. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to this song and I was just like, repeat, just put it on repeat. Got in the shower, yeah. repeat. I was just I've been nice. listening to it for hours. It's such a good song. So it's definitely this is one that's definitely written from her perspective. It's not a character; she is the narrator. Cool. So it okay. does kind of touch back on the shit that was happening pre-reputation when she, mm. you know, the Kanye drama and all of that shit. Sure. Which on one hand, I was like, are we not done talking about this? But on the other hand, this is a different story than kind of what she's told before. Yeah. And like, I know we kind of made fun of working with your boyfriend on a record, but like, if you don't marry this man, Taylor, I don't know. <laughs> what a guy. Just what yeah. a guy. And to like... 
to feel that way. And I'm sure like the whole thing felt horrible going through all that shit, especially when you're a person in a public eye and to feel like a person saved you in a, in a way that's healthy because they clearly have a healthy relationship. Yeah. It just makes me really happy for her. I really like it. It's, it's good. I love the Alice in Wonderland tie-in. Yeah. I love a good tie into like a fairy tale type of thing. Not not when it's so she's done it very very obviously in the past, but yeah. like this one I just this thought was good. super classy. I think the pre-chorus is the highlight of the song. I actually think it's stronger than the chorus, and I really liked the line. I want to tell you not to get lost in these petty things. Your nemesis, your nemeses, I think mm-hmm. your nemeses will defeat themselves before you get the chance to swing. Yeah. I just love that as like a, don't, like, let it go, babe. Yeah. Like, just don't even. And then she starts that with like, past me. Listen up. Yes. Yeah, right? Like, uh, what I would tell myself. Yeah. You know? And that's such a relatable thing to everybody. It's like, if I had 2020 and I could look back, I would have told myself, or I had done something different. So I like that part too. Absolutely. And that, and what I like about that is how you said, you know, we've kind of already explored this before. I'm a big fan of revisiting situations lyrically and looking at them from different perspectives. So I love that time has gone by and she's like, let's go back to that thing. Yeah. But let me tell you something new about it. Yeah. So I love that. And I think the song as a whole is just a really refreshing change up from the album. I do think that it's it doesn't really Again, doesn't really fit, but maybe this is where the misfits live. Sure. We've kind of established yeah. that. So maybe easily could have been done up a little bit differently for 1989. For sure. But I do, I think if we but cut. But she maybe wasn't there yet. If we cut Tolerate It and Happiness, I think the album and fucking Closure probably. I think the album where it stands is kind of sonically makes so much sense. Right. Well, it's it's a collect collected lost thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they all fit because they don't fit. Yeah. Ooh, God, I love this fucking song. <laughs> it's fun. The tropes on this were only door and story, but I was I was pretty hyped to hear it. I was excited. It kind of made me think, too, of, like, when I discovered New Romantics. Yes. Because that was a bonus. Yes. And you're like, and oh, shit, being this? so pumped. I was like, oh, my God, this song is amazing. And that's how it, like, I had those feelings when this came on. I was like, oh, man. I, I also, I love, I, I think you said the pre-chorus. I agree. Uh, I love, uh, first of all, I love the way she says, long story short, it was a bad time. <laughs> yeah, right. Simply put. We've all been there. It was a like, bad long time. Long story short, it was bad. And I yeah, love yeah. the, the, the honesty of push from the precipice clung to the nearest lips. Long story short, it was the wrong guy. <laughs> Like, right, I love that yes. too. Like it's, that's it's so good. good. Like who does, who hasn't had that situation where like you're you're kind of in a vulnerable place and you just kind of pick whoever's closest to not feel that right. feeling. One hundred percent. Which like poor Calvin Harris and Tom Hiddleston. That's y'all. Mm, poor. I don't know. They're fine. <laughs> no, they're, yeah, fine. they're fine. They're fine. Yeah. I am most. I'm really happy for her. I love that this Joe yeah. person has made her feel so good. And I also kind Seems of love like that we dude. don't know anything about them. That makes it so much better. It's my favorite thing about him. Yeah, is I think I've seen one picture of the man, and he's like, nope. <laughs> yeah, love it. Love a removed. Yeah, he, it makes me. He's giving me Dolly Parton vibes. Yeah, I've never seen her husband. No know. one has. He's got to be awesome he, though. He might not even be real, but I'm I'm in here for it. <laughs> yeah, I think it takes it takes a certain kind of man to be married to a woman who wields so much power. Oh yeah, know your role. He knows. Yeah, I also you know? I have a theory that Taylor and Joe are already married. 
I'm pretty sure they must be married by now. I would not be surprised. I think in the Marcos, you and I kind of had a discussion where I do feel badly for her in that early in her career, she wrote about marriage and love and marriage and love so much that if she were to be married, it would obviously be a crazy, like publicly married. It would be such a spectacle. Yeah. And I don't know if she'd ever be able to enjoy it. Yeah. And so I don't think that you're wrong. I think because the move would be do it in secret, don't tell anyone. Right. Yes. I think when you're that big of a celebrity, that's the only thing you can do. I can't imagine her like announcing an engagement and the spectacle that would happen if she no. were to have a wedding. It just seems like the, antis- and the antithesis of like where she is in her life right now. Yeah. No. I'm like, yeah, I just I think they're married already. What's going to happen is she's going to have a baby. Oh, yeah. And when she has a baby, it's going to come out that they've been married oh, yeah. for three, four years. Yeah. And honestly, I love that shit. And I think even when she has the baby, it'll be a shock if we know that she's pregnant. Because she doesn't really oh, yeah. post shit on social media that's like full body shit. She right. doesn't. She could be pregnant right fucking now. She The baby could be here. We don't know. We went through a whole pandemic. That baby might be one. She might have two fucking babies with Joe Alwyn. Like, we don't know. <laughs> but but I bet. I bet. And you know what? It's the right move for her because it, she's just such a superstar. Yeah. Like, you would get no peace. You would get no None. peace. And she deserves peace, right? She's a human. I think she so. deserves yeah. it. Yeah. I hope that they're married. I hope that they just got pandemic married and we're like, fuck it. Like, this is it. Maybe even before then. I hope Maybe so, even man. before. I hope so. Because he also, he's a. UK citizen and right. he spent quarantine in Los Angeles which I don't think you could do like your visa would have expired oh. you wouldn't have been working you would have had to go back to the UK unless you're fucking married we need to research <laughs> girl I bet it's on Reddit somewhere I bet yeah. people have a thread on Reddit <laughs> this is not the first Taylor Swift is married theory yeah, no way. But I, I just think they're married because it would it just makes me happy that she would have just... Oh, I hope for her. Yeah. This by far seems like the healthiest situation she's ever been in. Yeah, for sure. All right, track 13, Marjorie. Written by Swift and Desner, produced by Desner. I cried like a baby. What? I okay. cried like a baby. Okay. So I listened to it and I was like, okay, interesting. Who's this about? And then I, it's about her grandmother. She wrote this song about her grandmother. You know, I knew it had to be an older woman in her life. I had a feeling. Her, okay. So her grandmother was an opera singer and helped inspire oh. her to pursue music. And she passed away before Taylor ever. I'm going to cry right now. <laughs> she oh, passed no. away before she made it. And it just like makes me think about my grandma. <laughs> oh, no. Wait, so she passed away before she wrote the song, you mean? Before she ever became famous. She passed oh, no. away when Taylor was 14 on the first trip to Nashville to potentially oh, move no. there and to get it like a songwriting so deal. Sad. Yeah. So her grandmother never got to like see her do these things. Oh my goodness. But oh, the part that made tears. me cry, I know I'm going to cry now. Real the part tears. that made me cry is <laughs> I should have asked you questions. I should have asked you how to be I'm a fucking mess. Oh my God. <laughs> um, and then I should have kept every grocery store receipt because every scrap of you would be taken from me. That's so sad. Oh my gosh. You know, I did not do a good job because I I didn't pay enough attention. Oh that is God. really sweet. It's that. And then where she says, watch you, watch you as you sign your name, Marjorie. All of your closets of backlog dreams and how you left them all to me. Like, I have her name uh, on me. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it just makes me sad. It makes me think of my grandma. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew this was going to take I this know. turn? 
<laughs> I was listening to this yesterday at Nick's house, and he was in the shower, and I was just like, <laughs> oh no, he's like, is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm just thinking about my grandma. <laughs> He's like, this Taylor Swift shit needs to stop. Seriously, like, thank God I'm at the end. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, yeah, this one's a win. This is a great song. Uh, maybe wow. it's not even a great song, but, like, I love it. But you know what? And th- this has to do with my notes at the end. Yeah. But if it touches you in that way, then that's what makes it a great song. Right. You know what I mean? I I need to give it a re-listen because what I wrote, which sounds super stupid now... <laughs> Is the grocery store line, and this is like the third or fourth song where she mentions grocery store, mm-hmm. and I just think it's a weird thing to mention. Like, she mentioned that one really stupid song with the football helmet kid. Oh, my God. Like, you carry my groceries. Ugh. And I think there was one, it might have been Folklore, it might have been Lover. I think it was Lover. She mentions groceries. And I was like, does this girl love grocery shopping? Like, <laughs> is she allowed to go out and do this? Or is this something she misses from normal life? I bet like, she, she doesn't allowed? go grocery shopping. Because a lot of celebrities will say, like, I just wish I could go grocery shopping. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so maybe she misses it. But that makes so much more sense. Because, you know, as you know, as I know, when you lose someone, it immediately becomes this, like, what do I have? What do I have? What do I have Like, left? what's left? Yeah. You know? And over time, it becomes less. And, and yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's really. Yeah. This song gutted the shit out of me. <laughs> it gutted me. Wow. Yeah. Glad you weren't listening to this on like day. Oh my God. At the gym. That would have been rough. <laughs> the only trope is dreams, but I feel like that's appropriate. Yeah. By the time I got to this song, I had already started repeating Long Story Short, so I never listened to it at the gym. <laughs> right. <laughs> but Not I did listen to it when I got back home and I was crying in the kitchen again. Like it just. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Like it's fucking good. It's a good song. All right. Number 14, Closure. Closure, written by Swift and Desner, produced by Desner, B.J. Burton, who is an American producer, songwriter, and engineer, worked with Bon, bon Iver, Charlie XCS, Miley Cyrus, Eminem, Lizzo, Casey Musgraves, and James McAllister, who I could not find a ton of information on. I hope this is the right guy. The one that I found is an L.A.-based drummer, mem- former member of the indie rock group Esther Drang. Hmm. And is now a session drummer, question mark, question mark. I I don't know if this is the same man, but I really couldn't find very much. But LA-based drummer, I was like, okay, probably. It's got to be him. Weird. Yeah. So at first I was like, ah, oh, something's happening here that's new. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we're at the point on the album where she started doing Peace and Epiphany on the last one. And you're like, what are we doing? Yes. So yes. definitely a sonic experiment. Like, I think it's drums that are just like muted and like discordant in the beginning. Yes, a lot. And that kind of carries through to the whole song. Mm-hmm. It's lyrically pretty boring. Mm-hmm. But I get the message and I'm like, okay, cool. Someone wrote you a note. Don't need the closure. Great. I'm not sure if it deserved a whole song. But then I learned that this track is supposedly about her former friendship with Carly Kloss, who's a supermodel. Mm. They're no longer friends. I'm not, I can't remember who Carly married, but she married somebody who's in Scooter Braun's circle. Oh. So she had something to do with the shit with the masters on some way. And perhaps that ended their friendship. And then I went and I listened to it again. And I was like, this song kind of, if I were to put a visual to it, it would be a, a skinny New York supermodel. Like, it just sounds like douchebaggery. Yeah. And yeah. then I'm like, what excellent choices for this song. Interesting. But it's not, it's lyrically not, it's not good. But like, in, I'm, I, I applaud the effort. Yeah, I kind of had similar. I'm behind the idea. I do not like how it's presented. 
I feel mm. like the vocal pattern and melody does not work with the audio. And I yeah. don't even want to say music because in the verses, it just sounds like kind of noise. Like it, it's like drum weird stuff. I think actual music comes in in the chorus. The bridge, I thought, was the highlight of the song, which for her is most of the time. And the lyric was, I know I'm just a wrinkle in your new life. Staying friends would iron out so nice. Guilty, guilty, reaching out across the sea that you put between you and me. And what I love about that is you're kind of saying to the person, like, you're obviously, like, you're doing this for you. I don't need this. You would really love for me to be like, we're cool, girl. Don't worry about it. Because you need that, but fuck you. You need that. Yes. And I remember, you know, having an ex where, you, and, and I think we all have, where like six months later you get the email like, hey, how are you doing? And I wrote back like, we're not doing this. We're not going to compare where we're at. Like, I'm not interested. And you would no. love to be like, oh, we're cool. We're all good. And it's like, yeah. we're, we are all good because we're not. Like, yes. we're done. Precisely. Yeah. Yes. And so for yeah. that, I'm here for it. But it's not her greatest. There's no, no tropes, but she does mention beers. But yeah. that's I think for it. the exercise of what this was and now knowing what it's about, yeah. I think, like, it fit into the mold of what she was trying to do. Mm-hmm. And, like, she tried something different, which is cool. Yeah. But it is kind of a throwaway to me. But, yeah, I mean, I've been in the same situation. And, you know, I think we all have where someone's reaching out for closure. And I think sometimes you're the person reaching out for closure. Like, you need that. I would Um, die before. I would never. I I have before. But only, like, in situations where I've been fucking wrong. I've done it. Well, yes. You need to explain to me what this, what happened I have done it. uh, Yeah, that's a lie. I've done it to, never to a romantic situation to me that's like you're dead to me forget it like don't even Uh but i i have reached out to two or three people in my life where it took me a while to realize i fucked up like sure i was wrong and uh i would say nine times out of ten you don't hear back and i actually recently with the band we wrote a song about it because i had i like years ago i said something to someone that was just like vile and terrible because i have an awful mouth and i just can't control myself and i realize now as an adult like completely inappropriate like never is that okay and i actually like found the person's email and i wanted to write an apology and i literally googled how to properly apologize and there were all these (laughs) steps because i didn't want it to sound fake or stupid and it was like recognize what you did wrong let them know that they owe you nothing like be completely clear and i sent it and i have not heard back it's been years but when I heard this song, it kind of made me think of that. Like, that person yeah. on the other end of it might have been like, fuck you, bitch. Or if they ever yeah. even saw it. Like, I have no if idea they, if yeah, it ever went. So, from that perspective, it's, like, kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, we're here. We're at the last song. Evermore, featuring Bon Iver again. Yes. Written by Swift, Bowery, and Justin Vernon, who is Bon Iver. And it is produced by Swift and Desnar. So, while it is kind of boring, the when the tempo change comes in and that's also accompanied by Justin's vocals in the way like this is how what the the bony fair that I'm used to listening to mm-hmm. is this like kind of weird falsetto falsetto-y thing. I really appreciate where like that that change in tempo comes at the right time. Like okay. I'm just like okay, I'm so tired. Yeah. And then that change comes and I'm like okay, like now it's getting kind of interesting. Mhm. I like the bridge where they go back and forth and it's kind of chaotic. Okay. It was, this song is weird, but it's not terrible. Another exercise, I think similar to how closure is kind of an exercise of her trying new things. I appreciate it for that reason. It's okay. 
it's weird more than anything. It's okay. Yeah. It's so weird. Uh, my first note was, I thought I would be happy to hear Bon Iver until I heard it. I much prefer his bass vocal. Uh, this, it's not what he usually does. When he came in on the falsetto, the word I wrote was unsettling. Like, <laughs> I was so freaked out. And I just kept thinking, this is what the man sounds like regularly. Like, I, I can name two songs. I, I can't even name them. I think I've heard two of his songs years ago. So maybe I need to do more homework. But uh, it freaked me out. And I put, by the time he comes in, it is a completely different song. Like, it just, yeah. I was like, where are we going? What's happening? Yeah. I can't say I liked it. It freaked me out. I think I'm too afraid to listen to it again. And It's not worth it. Yikes. <laughs> it was scary. And the trope was dreamed. So not dream he- so not trope heavy. And most of the songs on this album are not trope heavy, which I yeah. think is a positive. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, just an interesting choice. But I think, like, she wanted to experiment a little more. And this is much more what Justin Vernon does. So I think maybe in some sense like she that. followed his lead on it maybe. a little bit. Maybe. Yeah, this is his thing. So if you know, if you know him... This song is not a shock. Yikes. I can't imagine listening to this like more than once. Like, is his whole album like that? That's so scary. Yikes. I really like that album, so you should give it a go. It's good for like a rainy day when you just want to lay. Um, and just be in your feels and like, it's a vibe more than anything. He did win a fucking Grammy for his whatever. Well, look, we're here. Wow. We did it. I wasn't planning on reading Taylor's letter Uh forevermore. But I think I'll read you a little bit. Okay, okay, okay. And of course, edited because she's wordy. Girl. I've never done this before. In the past, I've always treated albums as one-off eras and moved on to planning the next one as soon as an album was released. There was something different with folklore. In making it, it felt less like I was departing and more like I was returning, mm. which I is interesting. Mm-hmm. I love the escapism I found in these imaginary slash not imaginary tales. I love the ways you welcomed the dreamscapes and the tragedies and the epic tales of love lost and found. So I just kept writing them. And I loved creating these songs with Aaron Dessner, Jack Antonoff, WB, which is her boo. Okay. And Justin Vernon. We've also welcomed some new and longtime friends into our, mu- into our musical kitchen table this time around. Before I knew it, there were 17 tales, some of which are mirrored or intersecting with one another. I wanted to surprise you with this the week of my 31st birthday. You've all been so caring, supportive, and thoughtful on my birthdays, and so this time I wanted to give you something. I also know this holiday season will be a lonely one for most of us, and if there are any of you out there who turn to music to cope with missing loved ones the way I do, this is for you. Mm. I have no idea what will come next. I have no idea about a lot of things these days. And so I've clung to the one thing that keeps me connected to you all. That thing always has and always will be music. And may it continue evermore. Okay. I'm into it. I, I'm i into that way more than all of her other ones. Yeah. I think she actually yeah. said stuff there. She actually said stuff. And I think it's interesting for her to say, like, that I felt less like I was departing and more like I was returning when she mm. started making folklore. Like it felt really familiar. And that but that makes a lot of sense to me because country Americana songwriting is very close to folk. Yeah. And I think for such a long time she was trying to get away from that. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you know, breaking out of country was a goal for her, and so she had to get really far away from it. But throughout every single album, I think we have found this is where what she's good at. 
the country shit, it's her strength. And like, while I think she's gotten so good at hooks and I think she's gotten so good at bridges and I think she, but, and I think she was always good at those in the country way, but mm-hmm. then she got really good at them in the pop way. Mm. Like take that shit and go back to what you're like, where you started, I think is the right move for someone. I, t- I totally agree. I, w- I want to first let's go over our, cause I have my own letter. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> tell me. I prepared a letter, but let's do our first, or what is it? Favorite least oh yeah let's do that first yeah what's your favorite least and uh uh underdog Underdog. okay so my favorite i wanted it to be long story short but i didn't pick it because i feel like that's not representative of this album so my favorite is willow okay it's a good one yeah so i think that's my favorite underdog gold rush wasn't expecting it i think antonoff is involved so that surprised everybody um worst song is tolerated clearly that's okay. me. How about you? My favorite is Long Story Short. Okay. My underdog is Marjorie for obvious reasons. Oh, um, and my least favorite, it's honestly a tie between happiness and tolerate it, but I'm going to say happiness because it's too fucking long. Also bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had like so a bad. couple in that column. And before I get into my letter, I had mentioned before, like, I know the trope count was, like, super tedious and annoying. Trust me, I was the one counting. So, like, super Mm. done with that. I did make a list of words that I should have included, and I'm just never going to go back and count. (laughs) So this is the additional. um, Well, you know what's funny is I actually didn't write any of that down. That's just, like, conceptually I'm concerned. But the words, ghost, haunted, scars, gold, blue, gray, knife, and cuts interesting they appear a lot and what i will say just as an aside uh it did prove to me that i wasn't crazy because Mm. part of my concern coming into this is like is it me am i just like hearing those words those words are there they're there yeah they happen so is it the end of the world no but i'm just glad to know that i'm not nuts and like they do come up a lot yeah no you're not nuts they do come up can confirm now you have to ask me the question are you a fan yet Okay, so. I think you are. (laughs) I don't know. Okay, I hope we're still friends. Okay, (laughs) I think that she's very good at what she does well, which is songs Mm -hmm. about love, spite, and being a woman. Mm -hmm. I think outside of that, she's still developing and she's not there yet. So to your Mm -hmm. point where the storytelling, she's she's not, she can't, what is it? She's not flexing that muscle. She's still building that muscle. You used a good term before. Um, she's not there yet. And so in that way, I feel she's kind of limited. I do think she suffers from more is more. Mm-hmm. And I think part of being a really great musician and songwriter is a lot of what you leave out. Right. So in that regard, I, I struggle a lot. Yeah. To what you said moments ago, I think the songs earlier in her career are by far her best because I feel like she was being the most genuine Mm-hmm. And I feel like since she started branching out into different genres and working with, like, the best in the biz, they sounded less and less genuine to me. Mm. I think she was taking her talent and trying to make it fit a sound, and and that's just not, that's just, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't always work for me. Um, yeah. I do think... She relies very heavily on the safety net of her fan base. We kind of talked about this with Alan and Ellis. And I think if anybody else did an album like Reputation, 1989, Lover, and Folklore, they'd be considered a sellout. I don't think Mm -hmm. anyone would be able to do this and have 
genuine respect from the music industry. I think they'd be like, pick a lane. So Mm -hmm. I think the safety net is also why she's not holding back her weaker stuff. And that is what sounds like filler to me. So I I hear you. You know, I also think she's at her absolute best when it's stripped down, when it's her and a guitar or her and a piano. And I remember seeing um, video of her performing 1989 alone acoustic. And those songs on 1989 are so specific and like 80s-esque. But they work acoustic, and that's how you know it's a good song. They sound gorgeous. Yeah. And if I could get a whole album of just that, yeah, I would be over the moon. I'd be over the moon. I think, like, <clears throat> and it, when Folklore first came out and you told me that you hadn't liked it, mm-hmm. I think what I said to you is the reason I like it is because I know this is how she writes. I know that she writes with just a piano. I know that she yeah. writes with just a guitar. And I completely agree a song is good if you can strip away all of the bells and whistles all and of all it. of the glitter and it's and it still touches you and it yeah. can still like the melody is still good and the chorus is still good if you and that says a lot about the songs on 1989 because they are very overproduced so overproduced intentionally overproduced yes it's a choice yeah but i think like and i said this when we opened this this episode i think that she is so successful and yes she has the safety net of the fan base and hannah said this on the 1989 episode it is a privilege to be an artist who can afford to put misses on an album who can afford to to put songs that aren't completely finished or aren't all the way there even though you have everyone to help you at your fingertips Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i don't like she can do that, do it. Like you, right. you've earned it, and do right. it, and I respect it. But I, I do agree with you. Where like I think that that doesn't make a great album. It doesn't make a great album, and I and I don't want to say she doesn't have integrity because obviously she does. Because my next, my in closing, I have I respect her as a creative person. I respect the empire she's created and the sacrifices she's obviously made to make this life happen for herself. I think she's incredibly brave and smart. And I think she's doing great things for artists and women in the music industry. But I do think she's overrated. Don't don't hate me. Really? I do think she's overrated. I disagree so hard. I will absolutely be checking out future releases. But I yeah. think it's because of this. Because of what you and I have done. I mm. think if we hadn't discussed it, if I hadn't listened, she put another one, I don't think I'd notice. And finally, as far as the question, like, are you a fan? I had to literally define what it means to me to be a fan. And I Googled this, too. What does it mean to be a fan? And uh, so many different answers. I think if you are a fan of a musician, you actively seek out their music, you want to see them live, and you can relate to the lyrics they've written. Maybe not all of them, but there are songs like we just had, like Marjorie, that just hate you, right? In that way... I cannot say yes to the majority of those things. So okay, I feel like... Okay, to that. Okay, Hold okay, on. okay. Oh, God. Okay. Because Ellis said last episode, if you like, you know, three or four songs off someone's album, you're a fan. And uh, Evan said on that episode that he considers himself a huge Taylor Swift fan, but he doesn't fuck with anything lover forward. But he still considers himself a fan of her, even though he's like, I don't like anything. I only like this era and earlier, but I am a fan. 
And I think that, and you've said it, mm-hmm. you like her earlier, sh- you like 1989 and backwards. Is I do. Her best shit. I do. I think you are a fan of her. Just these last three albums were not your cup of tea. And I think that's okay. I think, I, I hear what you're saying. And ultimately, like in my gut, I feel like the answer is no. I feel like I'm not a fan, but. I feel like it's also constantly ebbing and flowing. Like, I would not at all be opposed or shocked if her next album, I'm all over it. And I wonder if, and now I'm almost contradicting myself, now I'm just like having the thoughts in real time. Part of what I said is you want to hear their new music. Now I'm curious about what comes next. So maybe I'm an emerging fan or a tepid mm. fan. I can mm. recognize that she's talented, but I still go back to what we said before about like the girl can write a good one liner. Mm. But can she write a good but whole song? But can you write a good whole song? And I feel like I can count on one hand how many how many out al- she's got nine albums and I can count on one hand songs that are good from the minute they start till the, minute, the minute they end. end. Yeah. And so for me that's my struggle. That's my Okay, struggle. so let's name them. Enchant. Oh my god. <laughs> Wait, maybe next episode I'll have to go back. But Enchanted. but they're all from back that era. <laughs> back to December. Dear John. Uh-huh. Uh, Love Story. Love Story. I'd have to see them all in front of me. You Belong With Me. You Love. You Belong With Me. Um, Style. Style. But it's all 1989 and prior. Yeah. And that, and that makes me wonder, what if I'm not a fan of who she's becoming? Like, maybe, like yeah. to Evan's point, maybe I, I'm a fan of early Taylor, but maybe I'm not a fan of Taylor now. Can can fandom turn on and off? Like, like is I he a fan forever just because he's a fan of the early stuff? I don't know. To me, to well, me you're I an think, active fan. Like, it's happening I, now. I think you're a fan forever, even if you're only a fan of that early stuff, because you're still a fan of that early stuff. Those songs can still come on and you could be like, yeah, like that is my jam. Like you still love it and you know every word. So if you're a fan of a one hit wonder, are you a fan of that band forever? I think that's a different question. <laughs> I know because she's not. She's not a one hit wonder to be fair. She's not. Like but just because I like that like, Chumbawamba song doesn't mean I, I love know. Well, now I'm thinking of all the Katy Perry songs I've ever sang, but I can't stand her. Sure. Yeah. So I'm not a fan of her. I, That's fair. Yeah. I, I don't know. So maybe the answer is I don't know. My gut is saying no. My gut is saying okay. my gut is saying no because this also just like isn't my genre. It's not my thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I I'm think not she's going to make a rock record. Listen, I think a rock record is coming. And I have thought about that. I could friggin' love it, but then I don't know if that adds to my like your your too many things. But who am I to say? I mean, look, she's. That's what I respect about her. She's not afraid. Yeah. To try stuff, and she's she's earned it. Like you said, she's earned it. She's allowed yeah. to. Obviously, she's allowed to do what she wants, but she's she's got. She I don't know. So maybe the answer is I don't know. It's so interesting because, like, <laughs> just even looking at like her album like covers, all of them next to each other chronologically. Nineteen eighty nine, nineteen eighty nine, reputation and lover. Like I could just cut them out. Right. Right. And I and I would think like that the sonic of even like red into folklore like that makes sense to me it does it does so it's interesting like the that the part of her career she's chosen to experiment is so important into how we we take in her entire catalog of music 
Because it is important. Yeah. I don't, it's, I don't know. But so I think that there's a few artists who do exactly what she has done here, which is you started off as one thing Mm -hmm. and your interest changed. You became interested in another genre and experimenting and you did it and you did it and you kept doing it. Okay. I mean, Miley Cyrus has done the same thing. So many people have done the same thing. Sure. And then so many people have not done that thing and have either fallen off and gotten really boring or maybe right. maintain like a really small pool of consistent fans. I'm True. not sure. I think maybe the Foo Fighters. Oh yeah. They're, they're who probably don't really... like of her caliber or like yeah, Pearl and they Jam. Don't depart you know what I mean? The kind of music yeah, yeah, that yeah. they make. That's the kind of music that they make. That's what their fans come to expect. Yes. They're good at it. Yeah. It's consistent. Mm-hmm. They're superstars because they're the fucking Foo Fighters. Yeah. But I don't think that they're making new fans with new records. That is a point I did not consider at all. Whereas because I Taylor do think Swift, you're right. When she makes a new record, she has made new fans with these records. Like Evermore and Folklore, I would not have even and Hannah saying like those were the records that put me all in and made me a fan of her. That is a fucking crazy thing. Well, and I'm just thinking about myself. 1989 was me. That's that when was I jumped the in. That put you and all in. what I'm arguing is like what makes not a great artist is jumping out of all these places. But then if she never made it, like, I don't know. Yeah. My brain's going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. Yeah, dude, you're a fan. I think. Sorry, I hate to break it to you, but you are a fan. I'm sorry. It's possible. Can you, can you be a fan and not like the majority? I guess you could. I mean, she, I, I consider her. myself a fan. And up before we did this exercise, I was incredibly dismissive of Reputation and Evermore. I was and too. I consider myself a fan of hers. I that's true. That's true. And I and I, like I even think I just have such a, a better appreciation for her as an artist after doing this. I one thousand percent I do because I was coming from nothing. I was coming from zero yeah. base knowledge. So yeah. Oh yeah. my god, impressed with her across the board. And I think like I commend her so much for the growth and I think there I think she's ballsy. I think doing a lot of this shit and a lot of these changes and a lot of these these reaches that she's done creatively. Mm. Maybe to someone who already is in those genres it's nothing, right? It feels right. stupid. Totally. It feels like she's stealing from you, but for her those are big things to do and they're not and I think, like, I know she dealt with so much pushback from her label when she wanted to do I Know You Were Trouble and mm. shit on Red. Mm. When she knew she wanted to go into pop and they said no and she did it anyway. Right. And I, I remember when 1989 came out and I think it was an interview that she did where she said uh, with Shake It Off, her label did not want it to be the first single and they were only okay with it if she would put violins in it and make it sound country. And she was like, absolutely not. Oh, that, what a wrong move that would have been. So I just, I have such an appreciation for her, I think as a, as a woman who has learned how to advocate herself for herself in music, it's really hard to do. So hard. It's hard when you're surrounded by all men. It's hard when you start when you're 14 and everyone says they know better than you. And maybe they did for a while. Right. And I think like where pop superstardom is a rabbit hole. I don't ever want to go down firsthand. Mm. She's doing something right and that she's still in this game and she is still alive and she is healthy. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Whereas we look at someone like Britney Spears, right. who is a complete fuck from what this machine oh did my, to it her. It ruined her. It ruined her. And so, like, I just, I, I, I just think she's a badass. And that's not, I think, something that I would have said about Taylor Swift before we did this. That she's a badass person, right? Because she, she doesn't frame herself that way, really. But like, it's. But, is but an her actions catalog. and her actions speak louder than her words. Yeah. And I think like, I'm just so impressed with the woman that she has grown up to be. Yeah. It's, it's a very interesting, like from the girl who did should have said no. Like, right. Wow. Wow. Good for you. It takes, it takes a special type of person to, to make it in the music industry anyway, let alone mm-hmm. someone who started off as a child, a woman, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. And as you were talking, I was thinking, too, that maybe part of my a negative on my part is seeing her genre hopping as a negative when it is technically growth. Whether I like it or yeah. not is a different issue. Like, how how could I expect someone to consistently grow and it always be linear? Because it's not. Growth is not That's linear. That's not how growth works. Yeah. So now I... Now I'm back yeah. to, I don't know, Gabby. And, and I think maybe sometimes, like, some artists do those growth experiments and stuff, and they don't release that shit, and it's them trying it out, and until they perfect it is when they incorporate right. that palette into their body of work so it feels a little more flowy, right. album yes. to album, which I respect. But I think there's something to be said for artists who throw that away. And who who kind of almost, and, and this might speak to more her relationship with her fans, want the fans to be a part of the process take the ride with me because it's one thing to just say i'm gonna try something different on my next album and it's another thing to do that and to have everybody come with you right right and she has so many people in her corner i mean even evan evan who's like yeah hey from back here i'm I'm back here with the old stuff (laughs) yeah Evan, who went to see reputation right what (laughs) okay Wow. Evan, who loves Look What You Made Me Do, oh, which is arguably... He's alone on his island. He's yeah, on the Look What like, You Made Me Do island. That is a terrible song. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. I just, I think she's stellar. And I um, I respect her so much more. I appreciate her so much more. I can't believe how much I love Evermore. I'm shocked by how much I really like this album. But I think, like, what I said earlier... Folklore, she tried it, and on Evermore, she figured it out. And I respect it. I think you might be right. I think you might be right. Yeah. I feel like a douchebag for having this sweatshirt. I want another, I want the, I want the Evermore <laughs> Maybe one. you like, could just, like, return it and be like, exchange, please. <laughs> take marker and write Evermore instead. Just, yeah, take it to, like, an embroidery person. Um, wow. Well, listen, she's not done making music. If anything's clear, no. she's never done. No, so happy to tack on episodes to this season, I guess. Dude. Or, or do special we're, episodes. It's 20, this came out in 2020. It's 2022. We're due. We're, things we're are due rumbling. for a Tay-Tay record. And I'm pretty excited about what it's <laughs> going to be next. I just... Listen, yeah, I, I I'll know. be here to listen. I'll be here to yeah. listen. Maybe that does make me a fan. Maybe it does. So... I'm just going to be shipping you some Taylor Swift merch because you are a fan right. and you're, you're being resistant to I it have right no now. choice. I have no choice. Is no this choice? how it happens? And then I get indoctrinated and then I defend her every move. Is that how it happens? Maybe. Yeah, Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I okay. think though, and 
you mentioned like being a real fan is like you want to buy tickets to the show. Yeah. And I think there's been definitely times in my life where I've seen bands that were either openers Mm -hmm. or were on like a festival billing. And I'm like, that is so good. And then it makes me a fan. Yeah. Or sometimes like artists that I'm kind of familiar with, but I'm not all in. And then I see them live and I'm like, oh shit. And then you go back and you listen to the songs and they're different to you. Yes. That's true. So I'm just saying, if affordable Taylor Swift tickets pop up... Hey, listen, if I could get affordable nosebleeds, I'd go. You should do it. Because I think that would also... You would be like, fuck. It would I change. Love her. It, would, it, might, <laughs> it would. It might. It might. Because she's a very good performer. She's And even though, like, I think... She's gotten better vocally. Yeah. Her yeah. her vocal performance has gotten so much better. Mm. She can... The fact that she is just at base an okay vocalist and that she is such a good live performer is kind of insane i would like to see it in action i would all right well we'll see i'll wait i'll wait for that Ticketmaster alert right we'll go together we'll do a live stream (laughs) with her in the green with her oh my god (laughs) stupid um all right well that's that folks that's that. We'll uh, we'll figure out what happens next. I guess. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks we'll so out much. Next season. We're trying to figure it out for the two um, people who listen. Thank you. Yeah. Our steady. <laughs> I think we have like an average of. I would say there's a steady like fifteen to twenty people. Fifteen that to twenty. We love you so much. Yeah. Thank you guys you. are great. Yeah. Um, thanks. Drop us a comment on the Instagram, would you? So we know. So you we know you're alive. Are you a yeah, bot? Please. Thank you. <laughs> um. <laughs> Well, all right. Till next time. That's it. Till next time. Bye. Bye. All right. So here's the lyric trope tally count for Taylor Swift's ninth album, Evermore. Jeans, zero songs. Dress, one song. Radio, zero songs. Daddy or father, one song. Truck, car, or passenger seat, four songs. Knee, one song. Rain, one song. Town, four songs. Dance or dancing, three songs. Dream or daydream, five songs. Phone, one song. Stars, three songs. 2 a.m., zero songs. Story, chapter, or page, one song. My room, your room, or bedroom, zero songs. Royalty of any kind, one song. Door or doorstep, two songs. Big thanks to the band Above the Moon for writing and recording our theme song. You can find them on Instagram at Above the Moon Music or on their website, AboveTheMoonMusic.com. If you enjoyed listening, give us a follow or subscribe on your favorite platform. And if you really enjoyed listening, leave us a like, rate us, or review us so more people can find us. You can keep up with news about new episodes on Instagram at Minor Notes Podcast or email us, MinorNotesPodcast at gmail.com. Minor Notes is a finally cool production.